When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Damian Fahey. I'm on the Hollywood Raw podcast talking about the time Madonna refused to do an interview with me and how booze solved the problem, plus my biggest life regret involving Rihanna. Hey, everybody, it's Tony Robbins. Hey, guys, I'm Audrina Patrick. Hey, this is Adam Carolla. You're on the Hollywood Raw podcast. You're watching Hollywood Raw. You're listening to and watching Hollywood Raw. This is the Hollywood Raw podcast, hosted by entertainment veteran Dax Holt and street journalist Adam Glynn. The podcast humanizing Hollywood. From celebrities to media moguls, even paparazzi and bodyguards have come to break news, break their silence, or just have a great conversation on Hollywood Raw. If they're on Hollywood Raw, there's a reason. From page six to TMZ, Daily Mail, and People Magazine, everyone is talking about the Hollywood Raw podcast with Dax Holt and Adam Glynn. What's up, Dex? What up, Adam? Oh, man, I'm excited for today's episode. Are you? I, I'm stoked. I, I think I I feel like I grew up watching Damien Fahey. And if the name doesn't ring a bell, then clearly you are not 40 years old. Because uh, <laughs> this guy was all over our TV sets as we were growing up. He was the same age, basically, as us, hosting the biggest freaking show on television trl on mtv for many many years uh took over for carson really and um now he just had this dream job that everyone wanted and you know is there ever someone that like comes on our podcast that's kind of weird that you're talking to them because you, they were like the most famous person for so long you know what i'm saying like like you grew up watching them and now you're getting that moment to talk to them. Yeah. That, that's what's cool about what we There's do. There's been a few people on this podcast we've had, you know, Damien being one of them. And then I hate to say it, but like someone who I grew up on where it was like Mark Cuban, when we, Mark Cuban came on the podcast and have him on our, our podcast was like, dude, this is a little surreal. Dude, Mark, Mark McGrath, Mark McGrath, like Paulie Shore. Paulie Shore is one of the guys Pauly like Shore. I, mean, I would have never in a million years thought I'd ever get to talk to Paulie Shore, let alone have like an hour to chat with him. Yeah, so I'm excited to talk to Damien because I used to go to MTV TRL when I was, uh, you know, 18 years old. And I used to go there on Fridays and I thought this is my chance to get in show business if I go there and just kind of be outrageous. And actually MTV did take notice and did send me to the World Series in San Fran back in 2002, 2003. And, and uh, look at you now. Look at You're now. hosting the Hollywood Raw podcast. This uh, What a turn of events. Uh, my career's going downhill. <laughs> um, before we get to Damien, we do a thing on this podcast. If you leave a review, five-star only, we'll actually read your review live on air. It's the best thing to do to support this podcast. Go to iTunes. Put in uh, or uh, where you listen to the podcast app on iTunes. Put in Hollywood Raw. Go all the way to the bottom. And you put five-star. Say a few kind words. If you do that, we'll read your review live on air. Dax, do you have a review ready? Yes, and don't forget to put your names in the reviews so that we can actually credit you. All right, let's get to this one. It's from MickTag2, says, feels like home with five stars. And the person said, this is so weird to say this, but I spent 30-some, wait, spent my 30-some 40s listening to you guys. Whatever, go with it. 
What does that mean? I don't know. I spent my they gave us five stars. They're 40s. nice people. I know. Sorry. I was. I, I want to understand it. Listening to you guys after TMZ, it feels like coming back home, listening to your podcast. Thank you so much for all my entertainment you bring bring us. It's like a little ray of sunshine on my phone. Thank you, guys. I totally appreciate it. I, maybe they're just saying that they spent their 30s and then some of their 40s listening to <laughs> yeah. us between TMZ and now Hollywood Raw is what I think I'm understanding. I McTag, too. I am sorry if I butchered this review, but I really appreciate the review. Yes. So thank you. Thank you. You got one more for us, Dax? Dude, I got dude. People are so kind to us. They're sending us so many reviews. I love it. All right. This one comes from Team Jonas. It says, Inside Scoops, five stars. Adam and Dax ask all the great questions when interviewing a guest. It's a fun, lighthearted, entertaining podcast. Loved your interview with the flight attendant on private jets for wealthy people. Always had been curious who did that job and what it would be like. Heard you on Juicy Scoop with Heather, and I knew I was going to be a loyal subscriber listener. Team yes, Jonas. Team Jonas. I love it, Team Jonas. Thank you so much. Very do you think that's Nick? Nick or, or Joe? That was probably Which Priyanka. One? Um, sorry, Priyanka. That's such a Priyanka thing to say. So I appreciate that. She has a thing for flight attendants. Thank you, she, team Jonas. And she loves us. Number one fan, Priyanka Chopra. Uh, Dax, tell us about our guest. Today. No, no, no. Well, I got one more. I've been, I've been, I've been telling the people we're going to read three. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to read a third one. So back off. Okay. Uh, this one comes from Blackstack77. It says, "Fun. Heard you guys in Juicy Scoop. You make celebrities seem like normal people, which they are. This is a fun podcast and easy listen to." Five stars for sure. Bluestack77. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, right. Bluestack. Now, on to our guest today. Dax, do the honors, please. Well, our guest today is one of the writers on Family Guy, a former radio DJ, but most people know him as a legendary VJ on MTV's TRL. We got Damien Fahey. Welcome. My brother, thank you for doing the podcast, dude. It's honestly, it's it's really cool to have you. And I was telling you this before, but we stopped because we wanted to stay for the, for the podcast. But I used to be one of the frequent guys at MTV's TRL. I used to go like pretty much on Fridays, like my freshman year of college like that fall and that was 2006 2005 and i used to do like mtv hits when you used to do that yes wow oh my god one of the nicest dudes you're always so cool respectful so chill no either there wasn't an ounce of ego with you i i have to say like there there was just well i had no when you have no self-esteem and you you know and you're and you're trying to find it through being on television and it doesn't happen you just are a nice guy because you don't have any <laughs> no I'm, I'm, I'm kidding yeah. you know uh um yeah i mean it's, it was such a silly it was such a it was it was a bit of a job where it i don't want to say it was hard for me to take it seriously because i took it very i took the job very seriously but i i didn't take um the 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 celebrity that came along with the job very seriously i was like this is this is all so silly and crazy so yeah, I feel like people who take the celebrity very seriously are usually like the dicks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. No, we, say- we talk about this all the time, how the, the, the smallest reality star on the planet yes. suddenly has the biggest ego, is yes. the biggest dickhead, and you're like, you just got into the game. You got yeah. Brad Pitt over here being the nicest guy on the planet, right. and you're the one being a dickhead when they're clearly the much bigger star. Totally. We would have We would have... Tom Hanks come and you it would he would just you know you backstage area before you go out and the the door would open and like a celebrity would come through and usually they're surrounded by like 
six or eight other, you know, of their entourage. And, you know, it's like Jeremy Piven would come back and he's surrounded by like eight people. And then Tom Hanks would come back and it's like, where's your people? He's like, oh, it's just me. It's just, it's just me. I'm just like, you know, that, that's it. He's, yeah. he's like, I don't need anyone else. He's like, I can, you know, it's just like, oh, okay. It was interesting. It was, like, it was like the absolute huge A-listers um, uh, were, were pretty, were, I would say were across the board pretty great. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, that, I always say if you could tell how a celebrity is based on the entourage. And again, I deal with a lot of celebrities still. Like, I, you know, I'm dealing with them all the time. And if the entourage is cool and chill, that means the celebrity is cool and chill. If they're kind of very strong and kind of nervous with them, yeah. then usually it comes down from the celebrity. But yeah. you're, you're right. I remember when I was working at the Howard Stern show and John Stewart came with no oh, cool. publicist, no people. And it like just came by himself, walked in off the street. And I was like, that was so cool. Like that was, yeah. I, I just thought that was just like John yeah. Stewart just walking down the street, went into a radio station and did the Howard Stern show. And I, I don't yeah. know. I, I always, he was the only person at the Howard Stern show that didn't come in with anybody. So, yeah, and he's, he's a huge star. I mean, like he's a, you know what I mean? He's, or he, you know, he, he was, I suppose even more back, back then, but like, yeah, everyone knows who John Stewart is. Yeah. Let me ask cool. you this. How much of, of all the success, you had you know from over the years and you've been in the industry for you know over two decades now how much of it goes back to high school where you're just like fuck all those people went to high school with like i i feel good about myself <laughs> so much of it so honestly so much of it <laughs> yeah. i feel like it has to be like man i know i could go back to reunion and be like i'm good i'm good yeah, yeah did you go to your reunion no, I want. I don't want to see any of those people. Like, I mean, and not when I say those people, like, I mean, they're. I'm friends with them on Instagram and stuff, but that's the extent. I don't want to go back. Like, I don't. I'm not. Not even to rub it in their face, just a little no, bit. No, 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 no. Because now, I mean, I for I was never a rub it in the face guy. It was more of just like a, they'll turn on the television or they'll turn on the radio one day and they'll see me or hear me, and that'll be enough to be like, you know what I mean? Um, but for the first couple of years at high school. Um, I remember my the beginning of my junior year, um, one of the guys uh, was like, what's your name? Who are you? And I'm like, I've been in like like six of your classes over the past two years. And he's like, oh, I, I didn't even really I didn't even think I thought you were new. I didn't realize you went to this school. And so that for me, I took as like. I've, what, I'm just like, like this invisible, like fucking guy like this for two years. I'm like, am I just like that unremarkable and boring? And, you know, and so. Uh, so, yeah, so that kind of kicked me into high gear of like, well, now I need to prove to them, you know, that. So that was definitely part of it. It wasn't it wasn't all of the motivation, but it was certainly yeah, it was certainly a good chunk for sure. I, I think probably, it, you know, it reminds me of that Imagine Dragons song where I think it's in Thunder and they said, I'm now I'm the one on stage while you're clapping from the nosebleeds. Yeah, like, right. I, exactly. I love that lyric because it is so like true It's like people can treat you like shit in high school and yeah. then you grow up and you're successful and. Now they're the ones cheering you on, but they're in the nosebleeds. It, it was cool. Like, you know, on MTV, I would, I would, I would get like, you know, God, I don't even think Facebook was around. I think it was MySpace. And I would just get MySpace messages from from girls in high school who I always, you know, always thought were hot, you know. And then all of a sudden they're like, hey, I'm gonna be in New York. Uh, and I'm like, what is going on? This is crazy, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, come to New York, of course. It's fine. Let's see, you know. Well, yeah, it's crazy well. in high school, if and correct me if I'm wrong, you were starting to already intern at like radio stations. You were already starting getting you knew what you wanted to do. Yeah. You knew you wanted to get into radio, which I think is very commendable because it's just yeah. like you already had that in the back of your head, like I need to start working now, which was such a smart move. 
And then you go into college and you went to a good school. Where Northeastern or yeah, Northeastern in Boston. Yeah, sorry, Northeastern. And then in college, how did you get MTV? Like, how does that happen? How does that work? Um, I was part time at a, a radio station, Kiss 108, and I was doing like the overnight shift, like you know, midnight to six in the morning, uh, you know, Friday nights into Saturday mornings, and slowly worked my way up to fill in for like the the, the full time afternoon guy and everything. And it, it's funny, you know, people listening are like, well, he was just on the radio. And radio now is not what it was, right? Like, but radio back then, there was no spot off. It was like radio, if you were on the radio, there was a bit, you were a lower rung celebrity, but you were, a, especially in Boston, on the number one radio station in Boston in like 2000, people knew who the fuck you were when you like, when these big, you know, these full-time DJs would go into like Dunkin' Donuts or like nightclubs or something, they would know who these people are. And so it was a it was a really big deal, and 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 I took it very seriously. And and my whole goal since I was fourteen and became obsessed with radio was just to be a full time radio DJ. And so when I was presented with uh, the promotions director at the station, was friends with the casting director at MTV, and she had was talking with her over email and stuff, and basically saying, you know, what's going on? She's like, oh, we're looking for a new VJ. We've been to all these different radio stations in LA and we can't find anybody. And we're thinking about maybe, you know, coming to Boston. And, and she's like, yeah, come on, come to Boston. We've got some, some guys who I think would be great. One of them is named Damien. He's like, you know, he's, he's still in college and he's got like these big, crazy, like gelled up spiky hair and, and it's like wears Aeropostale and stuff. So I think he'd probably be a perfect fit for, for MTV. And so uh, she, she told me this and I was like, no, I'm not interested. I have no interest in being on television. I had just come off the heels of a local television audition where the guy in charge of putting my mic on and taking it off was like, ooh, that did not go well. I like tripped over, <laughs> it was horrible. It was so bad. And I drove home white knuckled, so angry at myself that I, that I, that I, I'm like, why did you, do you love radio? Why did you make a, why why do we audition for television? It was such a stupid, foolish thing. So I beat myself up a lot about it. And uh, and I told, you know, I told her that. I told this girl Maria that the promotions director. And she's like, just just do it for me. Just do it for me. And I'm a people pleaser, or at least, you know, I've been through therapy, so I'm a little bit less of a people pleaser, but <laughs> um, I was a pretty big people pleaser back then. And so I said, you know what? Okay, I'll fine, I'll do it. And so I want to say it was like a week away or something like that. It was like on a Thursday morning, I think, where they were going to have MTV at the station in the basement of the station, set up a camera, a couple casting people from MTV were going to be there. And of course I have full-time school. And so um, I go to my first class at like 8 AM and uh, MTV wanted me to write two video intros. And so I sat in the very back row and wrote two music video intros and I heard they were looking for a rock VJ. So I wrote like an intro about like a Creed video and like a POD video. And of course I was like, oh, I love these guys. These guys are so good. And like, I, you know, not, wasn't into Creed or POD at all, but, um, but, uh, but I'm like, I'll give them what they want. And so, so I went in uh, class ended. I skipped the rest of my classes, the rest of the day, bailed on school the rest of the day. And I went to the station, uh, I took the 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 orange line, which is the the T the they call it, the, the transit, basically subway in in Boston, and I took it all the way out to uh, um, Medford, where the radio station was, and I walked with my, you know, college backpack with my papers and my script in it, and I walked into the radio station, and there were, in the lobby, there were like 
three or four other male, you know, DJs uh, sitting on the couch and they were all, you know, nervous and sweating and their fingers were like, you know, uh, you know, on their knees, like super, you know, going up and down. I was like, wow. And I walked in and I was like, Hey, what's going on guys. I was like super loose. I'm like, I don't give a fuck about this. I don't care. I don't even want this job. I'm kind of like annoyed that I have to be here to be quite honest. Um, and so, so that one goes down, one comes up. You could tell by looking in his face, it didn't go well. Uh, another one goes down, another DJ comes up, did not go well. And then uh, they're like, Damien. And so I get called and I go, yeah, hang on a second. I get my papers. I go, okay, yeah, yeah. And so they call me down and I walk downstairs and there's the casting people from MTV with the camera downstairs in the basement. And first of all, were all the other DJs, were they all young guys? Were you, were they? No, were they- no, no. I was like, I was, I was, well, I guess I was 21. Um, they were like 28, 29. They were closer to 30, closer to like Carson's age at that time. Mm, okay. um, and so I went down there. And I just, it was the the second I, it was this thing that I didn't want to do. And the second I started the, the camera rolled and I got the first laugh from one of the casting people because I wrote some jokes in there. Um, It was like a bolt of electricity, like went through my body. And I was like, I have to get this job. Like, this is what I was meant to do. It was a complete shift, um, which was kind of wild. And so so that ended and they said, you did a really good job. And they had me like do another one. They're like, we're going to throw another artist at you. We like you. We're going to throw another artist at you. Like uh, Shakira, do like a improv, a Shakira video intro. And so I did it and I, they loved it. I made them laugh again. And, um, and it ended and they said, we'll be in touch. And I said, when, when am I going to hear about this? Like, when am I getting this job basically? <laughs> and uh, they said, well, we know we got to, our bosses have to see the tapes and there's, a, there's like three or four levels of, you know, bosses at MTV who have to see this, it has to be approved and all this. And I was still in school and I had um, every week, maybe once or twice a week, I would email on AOL, the MTV, I had had her email. So I would email her, this woman, Wendy McSwain, and I would email her and I'd be like, Wendy, still very interested in this position. And like, like talking, like I was like applying to like, like a mid-level, like Merrill Lynch position, you know, but and uh, and so I was like very interested. Just you know, keep me posted. Uh, you know, and I would just hit her with these emails all the time. And she she would write me back. You know, to her credit, she she was like, "We really like you. You know, we're we're really pushing for you, and and this and that." And and so um, so I would say I, I probably got a call back um, about a month later. You know, after all those emails, and then I got another call back after that, and then they called me and they they gave me the job. So what was that moment like when you hear like you finally got the job? Because you know this is going to change your life. Like yeah. at the end of the day, it's going to change your life. It's going to be awesome. And it's a huge gig. Yeah, it's a huge gig. And uh, I remember where I was actually. I was at my – I had driven home from Boston to Western Massachusetts, which is like an hour-long drive. So I drove back about an hour back to my parents' house, and I had some like laundry to do. And I so I had like some laundry in downstairs, and I was in the kitchen, and I had my uh, Motorola <laughs> – uh, I think it was a Motorola or Nokia cell phone. It was one of the big ass cell phones. Uh, and it was like, you know, that kind of a thing. And I was like, whoa, it's like a 212 number. That's, uh, you know, that's that's New York. Oh, my God. So I picked it up. I go, hello. And um, uh, the voice on the other end of the line goes, hey, it's 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 Vinny from from uh, Vinny Parasivo from uh, MTV Casting. Um, you you. You did not, this call never happened, um, but I just wanted to give you like a heads up that in 10 minutes, your phone is going to ring 
and it is going to be the head of casting at MTV. And he is going to offer you the um, a, a summertime VJ trial period job. And if it goes well, and he goes, and based on, you know, I've met you and I've, you know, we've worked together. I've seen your videos, you know, we've, we've shot videos together. He goes, um, you'll come aboard full time in the fall and you will be one of the hosts of TRL. And, wow. and, and it was just like, you know, I mean, even like telling that story now, some of those emotions still kind of come back, which is, which is, which is nuts, but it was such a, yeah. I mean, it was, Wait, so why did, why did he give you the heads up call? I don't know. I'm, I, I'm not really sure what the point of that was, but he <laughs> like he just wanted to be the one to break the news I think to you. He, yeah, I think that's what it was. I think he wanted to be the one to like break the news and be like, yeah, I think that's probably what it was. And so anyway, so so 10 minutes later, you know, yeah, this guy Rod calls and he's the head of uh, casting at MTV and head of talent. And um, he was like, want you to come down to New York and, you know, you want we're going to uh, pick you up in a uh uh, uh, you know, lemma or town car, or whatever, uh, this Friday. And, um, we're going to, you know, pick up Friday morning and fly you down to New York and we're going to put you up and you're going to meet everybody here. And, you know, I'll give you like a contract and, and, uh, you know, you can meet the, the people on the, you know, studio level, meet the executives, all that stuff, meet and greet basically. Um, so he said, cause we're going to give you the, 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 the jobs. <laughs> Congratulations. So cool. It's so wild. It's what's so funny is um, about like three weeks prior to that, I I had to break it to my parents. The day that I got the call, the first callback from MTV, where they're like, "We want to bring you back to New York for the first callback." Um, that day, I had found out that I forgot to register for the next semester of classes at Northeastern. So I was going to about you know to call my parents and basically break it to them. Um, that I wouldn't be attending college the next semester. And for, for my parents, they were always like, what radio, what are, you know, we're proud of you being on the radio, but like, that's not a real job. Like, you need to be into a college degree, college, there's nothing more important in college. I remember calling them and I said, I have good news and I have bad news. And they said, you know, what's the, what's the, uh, what's the bad news? You know? And I said, the college thing, you know, and they're like, Oh my, they Damien, there's nothing more important than education. You have to look. And I, it's like, okay, fine. What's the good news? What's the good news? And I said, uh, the good news is I got a call back for uh, the VJ job in New York at MTV. Oh my God, you don't even need school. Forget it. It's like, go to New York, go to New York, become like famous, just, you know. Take my uh, car. Yes, exactly. So it was pretty wild. That That's is so cool. so cool. So when you go to New York, does MTV hook you up with a place to live? Like, cause you're young at the time, there's so many emotions going on. Do they hook you up with a place to live or accommodations yep. at all? Yeah, so when I went out there for all the auditions, they put me up in the, uh, hotel in Times Square. And then when I got the job, I th- want to say they put me up for like, they give me like three months or something in a hotel, you know, three months to find an apartment in New York. And uh, I found it pretty instant, instantly, actually. Um, so I don't even know if I was in there for all three months. But uh, but yeah, I lived in a hotel for for a while. And I, could, I would walk to work in the morning and everything. So it's pretty weird. But that was that was that was in the fall. When I started, I was on the MTV Beach House in Seaside Heights, New Jersey. And so I would stay in like a B&B out there with all the other VJs, you know, and um, uh, and then would go back to Boston. And in, in, so I was living in Boston, but um, working like when I'd have to work at the Beach House, I'd go out to, to, to New Jersey. 
was the pay pretty good for MTV to be starting there? And like, now you got to get an apartment in New York, which I can't imagine is the cheapest thing on the planet. And, you know, you're young. So I got to imagine all of this was pretty exciting all at the same time. Super exciting. I would say the pay was not good, but it was my fault that the pay was not good. So I got a negotiator. I didn't even know what it was. I didn't even know what like an agent was. (laughs) I was like so green. I mean, I guys, I was sleeping on an air mattress like three months prior in my like my uncle's house that he was like refurbishing that didn't even have walls it was just like like two by fours to to your defense it's very hard to negotiate especially with a company that is so powerful and they could literally just go we'll get anyone else to do the job yes you kind of got to prove yourself first for a while to then be able to go back and be like, okay, now you know how good I am. And now I can ask for money. Totally. Yes, exactly. So I'm like, there's, I'm sure they saw 300 other, you know, uh, white guys. I'm sure there's, you know, a couple, they got all their options in the batch. And so um, I, I met with the head of talent and he said, okay, we were happy to have you. Blah, blah, blah. And he said, and here's your, and he slid it right across the table, sort of classic, um, sucker kind of like you know there you go and there's the pen and i was just like and i you know i was an idiot i was 22 years old i was like i go to the you know i was i was eating like burger king chicken sandwiches for dinner you know sleeping on a fucking air mattress like four months prior in boston part-time radio dj and making no money and so i i got the contract and so green i just i there were a bunch of words on the front like clauses and shit and i'm like money where's the money where's the money <laughs> i put to the money part and i saw um i probably i don't i probably shouldn't say the the, the the exact amounts but it was not a lot of money like and i thought it was like a ton of money i was like and then it goes up like you know by like 20 grand every uh every every year over or under a hundred thousand dollars it started under and then it ended up a little over okay and i'm in new york city and so uh so anyway so it it, many years later i found out you know when my when i did my three years there and by the way like i could have been making i could have been making five million dollars i could have been making uh twenty thousand dollars a year i was so happy and like it was just the I, the experience, it was less about the money and it was more just about like, I didn't never paid for a drink. Um, any nightclub you wanted to go to, it was like, you know, they walk you. Dude, you, you, you literally had my dream job growing up. Like working at TRL was, I watched Carson. And I was just like, God damn, this guy has the yeah. most amazing job on the entire planet. Like this is the goal for, for, everyone is what I thought in my mind. Cause I'm like, you, you get to talk to celebrities, you get to hang out. Like yes. you are the fucking man. Like at the end of the day. So yes, I, I mean, at, yeah. I, I would have signed that thing so quick too. Absolutely. I mean, like, like you said, I, I know, I mean, what could I have gotten? Maybe like, I don't know, 15,000 more or something like that. You know, it's like at the end of the day, I, who knows, but um, it wasn't about money. And then of course I did three years there and you know, you get, um, I think when when people want to get into this business, they have this idea that it's 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 going to be a certain thing, and then that's going to be like completely, you know, not to sound too down on it because I had such a great time, and I I, I wouldn't go back and and, and change anything. But um, you become a little like desensitized to, you know, meeting eight giant celebrities a day, and you get desensitized to like, yeah, of course I can just like you know the 
drink for free and, and, and haircuts are free and clothes are free. And like, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're being, you know, you're getting like a car service everywhere. Like you just become sort of like, it becomes the norm in a very weird way. And so it's the, it's like, I'm, I'm shocked I didn't do any drugs because eventually the highs kind of wear off a little bit. And I, I'm like, well, what am I, I'm getting older here and what am I doing? And I, you know, you start to have those questions still having fun, of course, at, at the same time, but like those questions start to creep in. So anyway, so I do three years at MTV and my contract's up. And I remember being out at the, uh, I think it was at the beach house and, or, or maybe even in the studio or something, but Carson came by and he was asking me backstage about, you know, how it's been. And I said, Oh, my deal's up. And he, and he's like, just out of curiosity, like, what's your deal? You know, what are you making right now or whatever? And, and I'm like, I don't know if I should tell you. And he's like, no, you should tell me. And so I told him, <laughs> And so I told him and he was like his, you know, his jaw hit the floor and he was basically like, we're going out for drinks tonight. We're going to go out for drinks, uh, meet me at this hotel. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you exactly what to ask for. Um, and so to his credit, you know, um, he took me out and he was like this amount, your fourth year, fifth year, you get this sixth year, you get this. And these numbers are like very large numbers. <laughs> like I had never, you know, like it's a lot of fucking money. And so I certainly uh, had never even heard of like anyone making this kind of money, uh, at, at, you know, growing up in a small town in Massachusetts. So I was like, I don't know, Carson, I think I might get fired if I even just like asked for like this, they might just be like, well, who the, what the hell happened to this guy? Um, and he said, just do it. And then he said, you want like a $10,000, like clothing allowance. So when you buy clothes, you know, every year you get, you can buy 10 grand worth of clothes, keep the receipt. MTV will pay for it. Um, you know, VMA tickets, you want like four pairs of v two pairs of VMA tickets, you know, every year and, um, and just a bunch of other, you know, car service, all that kind of stuff. And it was all kind of baked into, into this deal that Carson had, uh, I guess sort of Carson didn't go, my, my lawyer negotiated, but my, but Carson really was the one who, who began sort of like giving the idea for the negotiations. And so I took it to my lawyer and my lawyer's like, I remember that negotiation going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, my lawyers, you know, we first came back, we presented the numbers and the first number, I remember MTV came back and was like, we'll give you, uh, and it was still like a very large number. And I'm like, take it, Ken, just take it, take it. That's amazing. <laughs> you know? And um, Damien Faye, bad at business. And so uh, he's like, no, that's a bad idea. He's like, we're going to, I'm going to keep pushing. He, I'm just, you know, and, uh, and so he did. And then he ended up getting me like, you know, getting me like what more than I asked for. I was like, this is incredible incredible so i was sort of living like the sweet life for like three actually four years because they gave me an extra bonus uh year um you know and they treated me very well that last year as well um to just like hey if we need to interview britney spears where you know you can move to la but you'll be on call kind of and so that was that was pretty good anyway that's my Dude, long, long story about that yeah. mad props to carson daly for stepping in and helping you out that yeah. is whenever someone that is so legit whenever someone has something bad to say about him i'm like he has i mean i blew through all i, I stupidly blew the money like when you know all my savings when i came out here to la i spent it on like stupid like restaurants and like bought a car and like all you know dumb stuff like that but um but he was the one who 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 yeah who who really uh who, who did that Do you guys ever still talk we don't. No, no, we don't. We. I think the last time we talked actually was at the last TRL. Um, I I messaged him when his mom passed on Instagram, and he wrote back. And uh, yeah, no, he's a great. He's a he's a good guy. He's a really really good guy. Yeah. When you know, it's funny. I see 
I, I'm at the near the Today Show all the time, and you never run into Carson. Like he's very like he sneaks in and out of like the show. Like and it's funny. I see Hoda all the time. I see Savannah, but like yeah. Carson's the one guy. I'm like, where did he go? Like he just disappears. No one could find him. I don't know what he does. To- yeah, he was interesting. He was he was mysterious. He he was. Um, I could never really figure him out. Uh, um, he was he was oddly extremely public and yet incredibly private. And he came out a, a couple of years ago and did this great special on the Today Show about um, how much like he has this really crippling anxiety and he's had it since he got the MTV job. And I really related to that because for the first, I wanna say for like the first four months, um, nearly every morning I'd wake up when, when, when you know, after the, after the summer and I got the, you're in you know, New York hosting TRL and you're gonna be the next Carson and, and, and all this, all, I'm hearing all this stuff from these executives. Um, and it's it's really starting to sink in, you know, that this isn't just going to be some three month temporary thing. I'm like, this is going to change the trajectory of my life. And 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 I, you know, I don't think I'm qualified to do this, but I'm going to try to fake it. And I have everyone fooled. And I would wake up in the morning with so much anxiety that I would uh, I mean, I'd wake up and I like for four months straight, just dry heave into the toilet. <laughs> like the first thing I would do is like run to the toilet and be like, you know, I'd wake up and then I'd be like, oh my God, I gotta like, I gotta, I gotta interview Jennifer Lopez today, you know? And it's like, I've interviewed only three people in my life and it's like, you know, into the toilet. Um, so I, I, I dealt with a lot of anxiety as well. And I, I feel like, you know, back then no one talked about, well, no one talked about their feelings really, let's be honest yeah, for sure. like, yeah. feelings mental health that wasn't a topic back then we oh no 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 no! it was it was cram it down irish catholic cram it denial repression and then it comes out in uh you know like uh ulcerative colitis or something when you're in your 30s <laughs> what, what what was it like or were you super nervous every day and i'm not talking about before like what you're talking about the drive heaving but i'm talking about when you walk into the studio and the studio is full of screaming fans yeah. and, and people. And then you have a celebrity there and yeah. all the focus is on you and not looking like a dumbass asking the questions. Yeah. Like, what is that like? What's that? Live television too. It was t- totally live. You can't mess up totally live. It was, it was so nerve wracking when I started, it was really, I, first of all, I didn't think I belonged there. I didn't think I, I didn't understand why they, even gave me the job. Um, I, I had this weird, like, I had this weird thing where it was so intense that I had to sort of like, diso- what's the word disassociate or dissociate, whatever it is from the actual like experience where it was like, I can't take in too much of this. I can't take in like the entirety of what this is because like, I think I'll have a nervous breakdown if I do that. Um, so it was a lot of like com- compartmentalizing on, on my part. Um, and like I said, I mean, I, I, I struggled with, with, uh, and you know, a boohoo, you know, the, you know, the fucking guy on MTV struggled with <laughs> self-esteem. Right. I get that. But, um, but I did. And, uh, it was, it, it was a challenge. Uh, it was a challenge for sure. For sure. It was also just intense, like to walk into a room and women are like, I got, I got your name tattooed on my chin. And I'm like, don't, what did you do? You should have consulted me before that. <laughs> It was a bad idea. Um, And then, you know, they're like wearing T-shirts that they made with like your your face, like, you know, kind of printed on, you know, they went to like a mall kiosk and like put this guy's face on this. Um, Yeah, it was weird. And and anyone who knows me, um, it's weird because I'm, you know, I did improv comedy for a while. So there is something in me that, that like, that wants 
to be seen or wants to like get recognition. But there's, when I'm like walking around outside, it's like, I was, when I was out, it was like, I did not, being recognized like was very, I, I didn't, I don't want to say I didn't like it, but yeah, for the most part, I didn't really like it. I I, I, I don't know if it was do you guys have this, like, I love talking on a podcast. I love communicating like this. Yep. The second I'm in person, I hate small talk. Mm-hmm. Like I hate it so much. I get massive anxiety from like, yep. I'm at a party. I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't want to small talk with anyone. I just want to yes. be that. Do you guys have that at all? Well, here's what I'll say before. Uh, I will say this and Damien, you might know this. Yeah. I've met a lot of radio people. And I have to say, and I don't know about you, but radio people are very awkward in person because they're yeah. good talking to nobody. They're good talking to yeah. like the space. But then when you talk to them in person, try to have a good conversation with them, a lot of them can be very awkward. Yeah, they're giant nerds. I mean, we're <laughs> we're, we're we're we we are giant like nerds. We weren't. It, it, I no one was like Howard Stern. It's like he wasn't cool in high school growing up. It's like the reason he. You know, he did what he did is because is, he wasn't cool. And so, yeah. you know, all those unless you like, you know, and, and, you know, I've done I've gone through many years of therapy now, which is which has helped. But it's like unless you sort of dig and process and go through like, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. you. I was very awkward for a very long time in person because I was afraid to, like, talk about anything like I was afraid to like I hated small talk, but I also hated I would never be like, you know, it's like, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm great. You know, everything was like, you know, like Mr. Robot, like kind of like TV host guy. Um, and now, you know, through like, you know, uh, all that, all this stuff, you know, the, the past few years, it's like, I think I find a lot. This doesn't feel like small talk to me. This feels like, you know. Talk, like best friends hanging out, Damien? Yes. Future, <laughs> this feels like future best friends hanging out. <laughs> But no, this is like real stuff, especially when you talk about this stuff, you know, where it's it's like, were you nervous? What did you feel? You know, that kind of stuff. So when that's I never did that for 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 many, many decades of my life. So yeah. um, so I actually like talking to people now, especially after the pandemic. I go out and I just I I kind of I just let it all hang out. I don't really care. I'm just like, this is me. I don't care. It's like, you know, if 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 you're if you're cool with that, fine. If not, that's totally fine, too. It's I, I've uh, yeah, I'll be good. That's awesome. How how competitive were you or were the other VJs when it came to interviews? Because, you know, let's say Tom Hanks is there. Who doesn't want to talk to Tom Hanks? Everyone wants to have that interview. I just know, yeah. like, even with the, you know, coming from a TMZ at TMZ, like, I always said to people, listen, I'm not really competitive with other guys. It's like, I want to be the one just to interview the people. Like, I want to have that experience with them. I want to get to know them or have them know me. But were you competitive or were the other people competitive yeah. when it came to those big interviews? They, they, I, it was, I would say it was a very healthy competitive. It was a very like sort of gentle sort of competitiveness. Uh, it was never sort of spoken of, but yeah, I mean, if like a huge celebrity was coming in, it, also the, it was the way they did it was, you know, I was told that, you know, Carson was leaving and they, and they kept telling me that, you know, you're the next Carson um, and then I would do a few shows and they would call me up to the boss's office and be like, okay, so, um, you have to be more like Carson on air. Like you have to like, you know, and then like, you have to like, you know, like Carson would do this at night. And so like, maybe like go out and do this. And then, you know, and it was, so it was like, be Carson, be Carson, be Carson, be Carson. And so, and then they sent me to a VJ like coach, um, after like I was on air and I was like, you, and they're like, you gotta be, we want you to do like training and stuff. And I'm like, what, like, 
you know, uh, I'm like, just fire me. What are we doing here? Like there's this, uh, you know, and so, uh, so I went to a VJ coach and it was, it was, it was sort of the same thing where it was like, you know, uh, although she was actually different. It was this, is this woman who was a casting director, former casting director at MTV many years back, but she was trying to get me to be bigger, like big, like on, and I don't like, I don't like people who are big, like in person, in real life. Right. Um, I'm not really a big fan of like big people, like, you know, and I don't feel like Carson was big. He was just, no, no, not at all. But I don't know. She wanted me to be like, she's like, go crazy, be big. And, 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 and you're like, they had Jesse. It didn't go. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to be Damien. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So that was, that was a little weird. So, um, uh, wait, why was I saying that? What was the question that you, that, um, the competitiveness with everyone. And oh, oh, so, so, so the competitive. So I don't know. I don't know why I sort of went off a little bit there, but um, if, a, if, a, if, a, if Tom Hanks was coming, the white V the white, typically the white male VJ will interview the white male celebrity. And then if 50 cents coming, the black VJ is going to interview the black celebrity. And then if uh, Eve is coming, the the female black uh vj is gonna you know interview so that's kind of how it so you sort of knew and then of course they would sort of mix it up so it didn't look like they were doing that but it was sort of what the what the mo was um of of the whole thing but yeah i mean you wanted like you knew if you were going to get tom hanks you're going to be in like you know uh, a magazine or something uh, a week later like us weekly or something so So i'm looking through a bunch of just old photos of you on set talking to Kanye, talking to, I don't know, it looks like Rihanna, maybe uh, Taylor Swift. Oh that was my one regret in life. Not asking what? Rihanna out. Yeah. <laughs> I blew it. I get it. I blew it. Her best friend was like, ask Robin out. What are you doing? Like, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm nervous. <laughs> she is like, you dropped the ball. Damian. And then she invited me to like one of her concerts and I hung out backstage at her dressing room and like with her, with her and her entourage. I just, and I, I was completely blip. Yeah. So it's my, <laughs> I always joke around. I say it's my biggest life regret. Well, well looking back, I mean, at all these amazing photos of you interviewing everyone, is there an interview? And I know I kind of hate this question personally, but is there anyone that stands out as like, that was a killer interview or memorable or just someone that you had always wanted to talk to and I you know. got that opportunity? I do. I know. I This question sucks. I know. I hate this question. <laughs> but <laughs> but it's but I, you know, it's funny, though. I really do have a person who uh, I would say very memorable was 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 um, when I first started. I think I was six months in i interviewed madonna they gave me madonna and uh i've told this story before on other other podcasts and and and, uh uh interviews and stuff but uh she was very particular about who interviewed her carson has to be carson and then she came and we don't have carson and she's like well it has to be um uh john norris it's either carson or john norris no one else and uh or you know i'm leaving and they're like uh john norris isn't here right now he's like out somewhere you know on assignment for tv news and they're like we have we have Damien, our new VJ, uh, and she's like, who? And and they're like, no, I'm not, I'm not gonna be on, you know, give me like, where's Kurt Loader? And uh, and so I knew this. They there were they my producers told me that this had happened. And so they said, you have to go, we want you to go in. She's she's might not do the show. We want you to go into her dressing room by yourself, knock on the door, go in by yourself, introduce yourself, and like razzle dazzle Madonna, you know, with like your your electric personality and uh i was shitting my pants you know 
Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking, like, what the fuck do you say to Madonna, to razzle-dazzle Madonna, who's exactly. seen it all, who's met everyone? Right. What can you possibly say? Right. Do her choreography? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, would I, like, walk in fucking voguing or, like, what the hell do <laughs> I do? Put some cones in your shirt. Yeah, something put some to cones attention. on. Um, and so I did it. And so I, like, went in. And I just remember being like so, I, you know, I remember saying before I opened the door, I was like, I could go in there and be like some insane, like false version of myself. Uh, or I said I could be like, I could tell her how I'm, how I'm fucking scared shitless and like how, um, you know, to, 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 to meet her even and then to interview her. And I'll just, I'll, I'll sort of like get her on my side by like opening up and being a little vulnerable. And so I went in and I did that and I told her, you know, I'm very nervous. I've only interviewed, you know, uh, uh, you know, I've, I haven't interviewed a ton of celebrities and uh, you were certainly the biggest celebrity I've ever interviewed. And, and you know, um, I grew up listening, you know, in the 80s, listening to your music and everything. And it's it's an it's I'm very nervous. I need you know, I'm, I'm extremely nervous about this, um, but it would be an honor to to interview you just, you know, so, you know, um, because I do have a, a connection, you know, um, my parents would would play you know your albums in the house so i have a, i do have a connection with your music and and she and i was rambling on and on and on and so uh she stopped me and she was just like she was holding a champagne flute and uh, uh full of champagne and um she stopped me and she goes uh hey whoa, 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 calm down calm down she's like um i'm nervous too and that's that's why i'm drinking that's why i'm drinking this and she goes do you want a glass and i go uh what is that champagne? Because yeah, uh, she goes. Let me get you a glass of champagne. Let's we gotta we gotta we gotta calm you down a little bit. And so uh, she had a woman. I just remember carrying um, uh, champagne in like a, a ice bucket, like a little portable. Like you know the ones at like a hotel. You have to get, you have to get ice. <laughs> yeah, just walking around with yeah, a- like barefoot and like you know like, oh. it was one of those and it had ice in it and it was like you know it was nice obviously. Um, but yeah. And then she, she also held like a couple glasses, like in the thing. And so she pulled one out and, and, uh, poured me a glass of champagne. I had a, I like chugged a glass of champagne backstage with Madonna. Um, and so that was it. And then the interview, and I was still nervous in the interview. And if you watch the video, there's, um, you know, we, we held note cards that had questions on them. And so I have a mic in one hand, note cards in the other. And as the interview starts, my hand starts to shake a little bit. <laughs> and I remember like looking at my hand, Madonna's talking, kids are like, oh, it's Madonna. And then I'm hearing in my ears, like, you know, we have these these uh, headphones on inside that you can't see that, but, you know, director's like, ask her about blah, blah, blah. And then tell her, plug this and then hit the video and then make sure. So I'm hearing like four things here. Crowd, kids are like, crazy about Madonna. Madonna's talking to me. I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, those are Madonna's hands. And then I'm like, wait, my hand's fucking shaking. You know, it's like, <laughs> and so I grab it and I put the note card under my, under my armpit. And, and you can see on, it's on YouTube. It's on, but it's like, it's like me kind of like, literally the reason I put, I'm like, well, it won't shake if it's under my armpit. And then I pulled it out and it was like this, you know, and then it was, was kind of wet, like, uh, like you know, wet. Paper. <laughs> <laughs> but it was awesome and so, so then i interviewed her a couple more times and she was uh she was flirtatious the other the next couple times it was really cool yeah uh, that's, that's the move i'm telling you that's the celebrity move they flirt with you to think like you have a chance i mean maybe it did because it's madonna yeah. and rihanna who are both fun but like that's like the way they win you over like they're yeah. they know they could get some like Shaq does the same thing he flirts with everyone so yeah. it's uh that's awesome. Do you, some of you regret that you weren't able that you weren't there during Woodstock '99? No, no, 
that <laughs> not at all. But I mean, I, I didn't see the new documentary. I heard it's I, it's fun. It's I mean, it's it's fun. It's something that now there's like the MTV voice in there, but uh, it, it's fun. I saw it, the first one, and I I um uh it, it was it was pretty shocking. Yeah. Yeah, it's in, it just brings you back. It's nothing that we didn't know, but it's like Gosh. it's just good. And this one is the one with the founders, the MTV Spring Break, which was one of my favorite things to look forward to. What was the craziest thing you saw during your MTV Spring Break days? Oh my God, that's such a tough question. Um, well, because I was so drunk and I don't remember most of it. I mean, <laughs> it was so wild. I mean, it was, it was, it was it, what was that? The content was so good. The shows were phenomenal. I mean, it was just. Shows were phenomenal. Amazing. Yeah, the shows were, I mean, it, you know what's so funny about MTV is um, it was, it was like so ahead of the curve. on like, that great that experience? Guys, it was, it was awesome. I mean, really it was, it was, it was, you walk in and there's, there's black people, there's Asian people, there's, you know, white people, there's, you know, Puerto Rican, Dominican, whatever, you know, and it was just like this giant, you know, we, I remember we had like a, we had a woman there or who's, who's trans, you know, and this is like in like the two thousands. And it was just like, yeah, that's just, you know, that's just Amanda, you know, whatever. It wasn't, it wasn't like, Ooh, you know, we're like, what's her you know pronouns or anything. It was like, yeah, that's just her. So it was very much like this cool, almost like um, pre-woke, you know, kind of a, place to work which was really cool because you 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 worked with all kinds of different people who were you know all from all different parts of 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 you know of the earth so to speak so um so that was really cool and then of course all of them are like in their 20s um so you had these giant mtv spring break shows that were really impressive to look at and you would just assume mostly in television the executives are like in their you know late 30s 40s sometimes 50s sometimes 60s um these people were all in their early twenties, mid twenties, you know, maybe late twenties, maybe. Um, and they put on, they just knew like MTV was like, you, the train's coming, you have to jump, you know, you, you got to jump on or you're going to miss it. So there was no, like you're in the deep end, you jump right in and you figure it out. Um, because yeah, there was, you know, time was money. And, and so it was well, really, it was a bunch of talented people behind the scenes who, who, who made it happen. I think that was the key to success, though, because a lot of these big studios, they don't go out and hire the young kids that are seeing the trends, that know what's going on and have that young view. They kind of keep these, you know, older people running it. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. these are the people that your audience is. This is your demographic. So let your demographic kind of like make itself you know and yeah. and i think that's probably why they did so i mean mtv was the biggest most popular spot you know like to be watching to yes. all the spring break content everything that mtv put on air was like that was what you'd go to school and talk about totally and it was where you wanted to be like you, you i would sit in western massachusetts like in my bedroom and be like they're in cancun look at all those girls and like people dancing on boxes and like on the beach and like you know, DJ Scribbles there, and and uh, it just seemed like a total crazy like party. Like, and I was a teenager at the time, so it's like all all you want to do is like meet girls and like you know party and stuff. And so, um, and that was that was it. And, and then of course, you know, watch your favorite bands or your favorite artists sing, and and it was just yeah, it was it was really cool. But I don't the craziest. I can't even. I don't know. I mean, the craziest thing that I saw at, at Spring Break is 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 well just nudity in the hotel yeah yeah it was just it was wild it was crazy it was like you know it was like motley crew like you know like touring or something it was just it was nuts it was just absolutely nuts and like the 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 
you know, 50 cent would fly in and like, you know, and then he'd be at, you know, 50 cents at this nightclub and we, you know, all go to this nightclub. And it was just like, I mean, it was crazy. It was, it was crazy. And it was also like before cell phones, you know, could with video and everything. Yeah. And so it was just like, it was, it was so just people just fucking having a great time. And there was no, like, you know, have to capture this. And it was just people in the moment having a really good, you know, having, having a really good, like drunken time, which was cool. D- Damien, you, you literally haven't changed. Like your looks, you look exactly like you did like 20 years ago. It's kind of crazy. Do you like, and because you've Thanks. interviewed every celebrity on the planet, do you run into people that remember being interviewed by you on MTV back in the day? Like, cause again, you haven't changed. Wow. You're also um, part of their career. You know, the, like a lot of those, you were the launching part of yeah. their career. Rihanna, yeah. like that was, you know, you were at MTV Tiro when Rihanna essentially just started. So you were a yeah. big part of her kind of her rise. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I haven't, I have, I've run into a few people who were like, Hey, I was in this band and I played bass on, uh, you know, with all American rejects one time when you were hosting and I'm like, no way, that's amazing. And, you know, we'll sort of talk about it. Um, but I haven't, I haven't really bumped into like any of the, you know, big, huge uh well that's not true actually at family guy we when we were in person you know before the pandemic um we'd have people come in celebrities come in and do voices and so you know mila kunis is a is a is a full-time you know cast member on the show so she's always hanging out and you know it's i'd see her and and then mandy moore would pop in to do voices and you know we talk about you know the the good old days and um so yeah so it was definitely yeah i guess i have yeah but it's very weird it's a it's a very weird it's a very weird thing. It almost seems, it, it, in a way, it feels like it happened to somebody else, and I feel like I was a totally—I don't know. It's just a very strange. It's a, it, yeah. I, 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 this might be a. I don't want this to be an offensive comparison, but it's like I have a friend out here who is a VJ. This guy Dave Holmes, and he was he was before my time. He's sort of in the in the nineties, and we we just you know we talk about it, and and we and there's no one I can really like talk about who understands the experience. It's like, it's sort of like being like in a, in a platoon, you know, like in, like in, in a war. So it's like, you could describe what happened to other people, but unless you were in that platoon, um, you know, no one else knows what, you know, what you felt and, and how crazy it really was. Oh, don't worry. We understand. We worked at TMZ, bro. Yeah, yeah I guess you do. <laughs> yeah, I guess you do. We we definitely have those uh, those stories that we talk about with people that have oh, worked dude, there. So unlike crazy. any any other place you could possibly work. I bet. I want to try some with you. I want to I want to yeah. name a celebrity and I want to hear about your experience with them, the vibe you yep. got from them, just like how it was. So let's start with this. Avril Lavigne. What was your take on her? The first time she came on, um, first of all, I was very like nervous and self-conscious so i think it was more my it was more on me but she came out and she was a little bit of a smart ass um and i took that as like a fe- like she's like offensive to me like per- i took it personally and so i didn't i i kind of didn't like her um but there was now realized time passed and everything and uh and now i'm realizing it was more just i was just insecure and this girl was kind of like a smart ass and kind of made me look like an idiot on on television um that was my view of it at least and so and she was very much like her whole thing i think i i assume the label too was like you know it's trl but you got to kind of like you have to do it but you have to kind of be like this is you know be cooler than it and all that stuff 
um, because you're Avril Lavigne, you're like the hardcore like skater like chick, you know. Um, you're not you're not Britney Spears, you know. The, you're like the anti-Britney, and so she did have a little bit of an attitude, and uh, and I remember being like, I don't like her at all. I don't like her. <laughs> I don't want to see her ever again. Never will I ever like Avril Lavigne. Get her out of here. And so I'm like, go back to Canada. Leave us alone. And so, uh, so then she came in like three years later, and she was so nice, and she was so cool, <laughs> and she was just like, and and so that really shook my perception of of Avril Lavigne. And then of course I, you know, I was full time on the radio out here when I moved out here, and I interviewed her, um, uh, you know, in, in a studio, and it was it was like, oh my god, hey, oh my god, what's going on, you know? So yeah, so those. You know, that was sort of the tra- trajectory of, of my Avril Lavigne um, relationship. Okay. Yeah. What a, What about one of my favorite people, Pink? So you better have a good right. story about Pink. I don't have a good story. The only thing I say about Pink is so, like, real, super cool, super nice, very friendly, down to earth, no bullshit, just like, almost like, are we sure this is Pink? Like, this is, are we sure this is a celebrity? She was just like, it was just like your... This is like a cool chick just walked in, you know what I mean? And just like, oh, she's cool. Yeah, of course. Just like a regular, you know, kind of ballsy, brassy sort of like, like a Lower East Side female bartender, like kind of a thing. Like, you know she, what I mean? She's the fucking best. She's That's great. Why. She's great. Uh, yep. Eminem. Uh, very quiet. Very quiet. I was actually shocked when he came on. He... um I remember going backstage and and uh, there was a couch back there that you know VJs or celebrities could sit on. Um, it was a pretty big couch, and it was just yeah, I just remember you know walking, finished the interview or whatever, or someone interviewed him, and I remember uh, seeing him backstage on the couch, and he was just like sitting on the couch, like you know, you know, hands on his knees, looking down at the ground, kind of like bobbing his head, totally like I mean. You know, now we know he was, he was, you know, he was going through, you know, he's, he's admitted he, he was having, you know, a lot of mental uh, issues and stuff. And, and how could you not? I mean, I was having them and I was on the toast of TRL. He was like Eminem, you know? Um, so yeah, very quiet and just not into, um, uh, not into talking to making conversation with anyone. I think he was having a difficult time processing what was, what was going on. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and just being so big. I mean, he was fucking huge. Like in, in yeah. it was like in a day, you know, not, mm-hmm. you know, I me mean, been, he'd been great for a very long time, but like when sure. Slim Shady hit, it was like, wow. I remember that was like, I mean, that was one of the first songs I walked out, you know, I walked into the beach house and it was just blasting over the PA speakers at the beach house. So whenever I hear that song, I think of, I can almost like smell and see the beach house. Like, you know, it's, it's, pretty wild but yeah very quiet very quiet i think he's a really sensitive i mean to be quite honest i think he's a super sensitive guy Mm -hmm. yeah no for sure what about uh beyonce quiet sweet um wasn't beyonce backstage it was it was very interesting she was just like you know very like soft and you know very like quiet and and uh, nice to see you again. How's everything? Cool. You know, you know, I'm a, you know, Hey, you excited for your video? Yeah. Yeah. And then she'd go out there and it was like, all right. You know, it was like, you know, Beyonce's here, you know? Um, but she was, yeah, she was fine. She was out, you know, I don't want to see if she was like, you know, 
boring, but she was just like, she was very low key. It's very there, low key. Stage Beyonce and Beyonce is yeah. what it sounds and, like. Yeah, and stage, she stage knows how to work it. Yeah, stage Beyonce was like, whoa, her eyes are different. Like you know, it was like, all right, this is interesting. Um, yeah. So now I want to get into because you somehow. I, well, I saw one thing, but so but for talking Beyonce, Jay Z was he would come in to the studio. And he walked down the hallway and there were offices on each end of the hallway when you first walk into MTV to get to the studio. And he'd be like, hey, what's going on, Rob? How you doing? Hey, Brian, and, you know, like to the to the writers and to like the wardrobe. He's like, Karen, how are we? How are we? What's going on? Like it was like the Bill Clinton thing where it's like, this guy <laughs> knows everyone. It's fucking Jay-Z remembered like, you know, the cue card guy's name. What's going on? Here? <laughs> you know? uh, but he was so super, super cool. Just Jay- Jay-Z was, uh, yeah, Jay-Z was a really great. And it felt... It didn't feel fake. It felt like this is a nice dude. Yeah, this is a good guy. Well, it, it goes down to the fakest. Who, who, of all your experience, the people that came on TRL, who was the one that – I don't want to say the fakest because, you know, obviously there's some performance element when you're on live TV or on a TV show because I remember being there. I was at MTV Hits, and I remember at the time – I forget who was hosting. It might have been you or Hillary or something, but Nick Cannon was, I think, the host. And yep. Nick Cannon, when the camera went on, he's like, yeah, it was Nick Cannon, and starts doing all his Nick Cannon stuff. And then all of a sudden, when the camera went off, he would just sit there and just comb his hair and just went quiet and just ignored everyone. And then when the yeah. camera went on, he'd just go crazy and pop off. And actually, it was really cool for MTV Hits. I was there when, like, guests were, like, Chappelle was a guest and, like, Robert Schimmel, who was, like, an old comedian who passed away, who was super funny. They were touring right, together. Yes. Um, so it was uh, – that was, like, a really cool one. I remember I have a photo of me and Chappelle that day. Was but, I there for Chappelle or no? You might have been because it used to be in the corner – they used to tape MTV Hits on the opposite corner of TRL. TRL, well, I remember that. I remember it was at you kind of hallway, and you might have been hosting because it was either you or Hillary, and it was a quick, easy show in the morning. And I remember it being like so like effortless, like the way they would tape the show. It was just like a yeah. real quick music show, but they would have guests on. And I remember Nick was the weirdest guest. Chappelle was super cool, uh, yeah. and I, I remember a bunch of other people. But who was the one guest or person that came on the show that you know I hate to say it, but wasn't it wasn't the didn't live up to the expectations that you wanted them to be. Ooh, that's a tough, tough question. Um, oh, that's a tough question. I don't know. Like who was um, under delivered a little bit? We're like you. Maybe you're so souped up for this interview. Like, oh man, they're coming on today. This is gonna be great. This is cool. Then you're like, maybe you shouldn't meet your heroes. Or yeah, oh, well, you know, and and you know, I I always sort of uh, I. I I, I hate to say this because he's, he's passed, you know, and it's very sad. And obviously he was dealing with a lot of, he was going through a lot of things and, and stuff, but um, you know, I remember Heath Ledger was um, sort of a unique guy. Yeah. I mean, we know why, like, it's not, you know, and I don't want to be like, it wasn't, it wasn't him. It was whatever was, he was, you know, so, but he was, um, yeah, it, he was a little bit. Yeah. He yeah. was a little And I feel bad saying that because, you know, no, he's obviously, He's obviously not here, but, you know, you think, oh, Heath Ledger. And um, he was, you know, huge actor, super talented. But, you know, it was like, oh, OK, stay away from that guy, you know, kind of a thing. Um, there were also a lot of like there were a lot of sort of like rock guys who who, who felt it. Been, they, they, they felt like it was uncool to be on TRL. They felt it was like the sync kind of playground. Mm-hmm. And, but they they wanted to sell records. And so they probably were a little insecure about like selling out. And so you'd have some musicians who would come in who were like on the rock side, who were like, didn't want to be there. were super boring during interviews. And, you know, he was like pulling teeth and it was what it was. Yeah. 
What, what was the catering like backstage at MTV for all these people coming in, in the green room? I want to know, what was the food like? It was, dude, it was plastic. It was pop open. You know that sound when you pop open the, the Kirkland signature fruit tray? You know that pop? Yeah. <laughs> That's heard, it? That's what you guys that, have like, every, every day, like, you know, in like multiple green rooms, you know that. <laughs> uh, it was a lot of that. It was like. If you've flown JetBlue, you've probably, uh, you know, you probably would be familiar with a lot of the MTV green room snacks. Um, it was, it, was <laughs> it wasn't like a, you know, pre-made sandwiches <laughs> kind of a thing. And then of course, you know, celebrities would ask for, um, would ask for things. Uh, you hear, ever hear a crazy writer that they needed at no, MTV? No, but I, you know, it's funny. I think I, and I don't. This could be off, but I feel like Mike Myers. That's who it was. Mike Myers wanted to know exactly how many feet um, the green room was. His green room was going to be from the nearest bathroom. And I thought that was kind of interesting. <laughs> but we'd never have a request. We'd never had a, that request before. So yeah, was that so that he could get there quick enough? I or think like he didn't, he was he was also like, you know, Mike Myers on camera and then very nice, but like. Like a, a radio, bit of a, an interesting dude, very quirky. introverted, very introverted, very like brainy and like, you know, and so I think he was, he was like, he didn't want to like have to, you know, people doing. And a very tiny bladder I'm hearing. Yes. A very <laughs> tiny bladder. <laughs> but also like, can you imagine your life? Like for like, if people still are probably like, yeah, baby, shagadelic. And it's like, just how close is the bathroom? So I don't have to fucking hear that. You know, like, that's <laughs> probably part of it. But it was also taped at three in the afternoon, so they just had lunch at Hard Rock Cafe or Planet Hollywood. You know, they got bubble guts. Yeah, they just sat next to their pants. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, they're ready to. Yeah. So you've had a really interesting career because you know, again, you interned for radio, then you became a radio host at a very young age, and then you become an MTV VJ. And then after MTV, I remember seeing you on social media and Twitter and how funny you were, you know, writing. I actually remember one of your tweets where it was like going into a pink berry was like jumping into like a Japanese book bag or something like that. I remember you like – Oh, yeah, Japanese teenager's book bag. Yeah. 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 Because like, man, that's a really well-written joke, Alain. I think you tweeted that. It was I'd probably be canceled for that now, but yeah, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Don't go back and find that. No, no, no. (laughs) It was – at that time, it was a very good joke. Um, Awesome. But it was really good. But now you're working for Family Guy, which is, dude, so insane and so incredible and so cool. Crazy. How does that happen? How does someone get a job with Family Guy? How did you make that journey was, to be working there? It was uh, it was through Twitter. It was through writing jokes on Twitter. And and I uh, had been friendly with a, a couple of the – well, I had been friendly with one of the writers uh, – actually, a couple of writers on the on the show. And um, they had obviously followed me on Twitter and – and uh, and they retweeted me, and then Seth follows them, and so Seth saw them, and then Seth started retweeting me and followed me, and it sort of kept happening over and over, and 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 uh, and then he invited me to like you know I got invites to like his Christmas party, which is a legendary. That's Christmas. huge. Yeah, huge. That everyone goes. Everyone goes, and there's like you know he pumps in fake snow, and it's like you know. 60 piece orchestra and everything. It's this crazy thing, and so um, and it's all in his house, his backyard. Um, and so I got invited to that. And then I got invited to like his birthday uh, party at this re- restaurant uh, in Beverly Hills. And I remember like going up to him and being like, hey, Seth, nice to meet you. You know, and Damian Fahey. And he's like, you know, and, and he's 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 always surrounded by like, you know, people who want to talk to him. So he's surrounded by like six other people. No idea who the hell they were, but like they were important people. They were at Seth MacFarlane's birthday. And so 
I said, Damien Faye, nice, nice, nice to meet you. Thanks for, you know, thanks for everything, man. I really appreciate it. Like think the retweets and like the invite to this very nice. Thank you. And, um, and he said, Oh God, he goes, you don't have to tell me who you are. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the funniest guy on Twitter right here. And I was like, wow, this is so wild. So, uh, so that was awesome. And I, I said, well, that's cool. I, you know, that's uh, the end of the road for that. And I've milked for, <laughs> for all it's worth. And, and then I got a call from my, uh, my manager and he, he, he called me one day, um, and he said, Hey, Seth, I just got the phone with the, this is crazy. You're not gonna believe this, but like the, uh, the showrunners of family, I just got the phone with them. And, uh, Seth wants you to write for the next season of, of family guy. Um, and you know, think about it, let me know. And, uh, and so that was the sort of the long, that's sort of the short version of, of that story where it was, it was from, from Twitter. What, what, what is the writing slash creative process like on a show like that, where it is all about the writing, it's about the jokes and been crushing yeah. it for years and years and years. Take us into the writing room. Sure. Um, are you are you asking like it takes so so basically like do you ask like the process exactly of like how it's yeah I, it doesn't have to be exactly I'm just sure I just want a glimpse behind the curtain of what it's like in there it's well it's funny you know I was I I'll often you know be out and people will ask what I do and uh, you know I'll tell them I'm a writer for family you know I'm a television writer and I write from the show Family Guy and everything you know I gotta kind of like pat it and you know um, but. Um, and they, a lot of people are always like, oh, he's like, really? Oh, dude, you must get so fucking blazed in that writing room. <laughs> and I'm like, you have no idea. It's a bunch of neurotic and anxious people on antidepressants and like, you know, Xanax. It's, it's like, no, it's not about that. And uh, and so it's, it, it's pretty funny. And it's it's also, you know, I'm obviously, I'm joking a, a little bit here, but um, but it's also like, it's family, you know, it's, 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 it's guys with, with kids, women with kids, you know, uh, married people. And like, you know, you, you would talk to like a lot of these, these people and you'd go, you'd be shocked that they write for, for family guy, because what's in your head for a writer or family guy is like this, like, you know, frat dude, you know, like crazy fucking, you know, but it's, it's, um, for the most part, it's, it's these really intelligent, smart, um, uh, people who, 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 who are the writers. So it's, 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 it, it's the opposite of what, of what you think. Um, yeah. But, and, and it's, it's awesome. You know, the, everyone's so funny like everyone is genuinely just, you know, I've never been around people like this before where they're just very, very, very funny people. And I, I've never actually been in a writing room for that process. Is it like, you guys are going through it and you're like, this would be funny. Like yeah. you just throw out jokes yeah. to see which one lands, which one the whole group goes, ah, that's good. Let's totally. let's go with that one. Totally. So someone writes a script, they hand it in, our bosses take a look at it, the showrunners, and they mark what they think could be better and punched up, they call it. And so they'll 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 send out a couple rooms. You know, there's three three rooms going at one time to rewrite a Family Guy script, and one room could be working on a cutaway. One room could be working on like the end of Act One, a big joke there. Um, and then there's the main room, which is where our my bosses are always in with a bunch of writers, and they're re rewriting line by line what they think could be better in the script. So, um, so if you're in one of the farmed out rooms doing a cutaway, um, yeah, you you basically you meet in the morning and they say, all right, you know, uh, Damien, you're in the room with, you know, Travis and Artie and, but, you know, and you guys are working on, you know, we think we can beat this cutaway on page 13, you know, uh, 
we like the setup of the cutaway. So it's, you know, Peter says, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be, you know, a better, a better time than when I, you know, and then just come up with like, you know, five or six cutaways. Um, so then we go into the room and we usually, you know, when we were in person, we, we would sort of shoot the shit for like, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 minutes, um, just to kind of like, you know, get the vibe kind of flowing a little bit. Um, and then we would, someone would, there'd be a sort of a moment of silence and we all, you know, everyone's on sitting on couches and, you know, they're kind of quiet. And then someone was, you know, better, maybe Peter, like if Peter was like in a car, you know, I'm just making it off. It's yeah, very yeah. difficult to think of these. So this is going to be bad, but it's like, you know, it's like, oh yeah, it's, you know, more awesome than the time I, you know, um, I was, you know, whatever, uh, I, that I was in uh, the bangles or something like, you know, that I was an off, off, offbeat tambourine player in the bangles or something like that. <laughs> and so, so, uh, so then you pitch it out and you, you're like, and you have to do the voice. You have to be, you have to like do like, you know, Peter, Peter's voice or whatever. Let's hear, let's hear your Peter's voice. I don't know. So it'd be like, you know, it'd, it'd be like, uh, yeah, walk like an Egyptian, you know, like that kind of like, it's kind of a bit of like an old timey gangster voice that I, I haven't really nailed it, but, um, but yeah, if you have to do like, you know, you do Stewie or you do like, you know, Brian or like, you know, you gotta do Joe or any of those guys. Um, part of it is like pitching in the voice, um, which, which helps sell the joke to the, the person running the room who, so anyway, so all this sort of stuff gets and we have writer's assistants writing down everything we say, which is cool. Um, so, so much of the job is not writing. It's just sitting and thinking, coming up with funny stuff. Um, writer's assistants write down everything. The room runner will go, okay, well, let's, you know, we got, we've got like 12 pitches. Let's like, I think we got some good stuff. Let's go through it. And we'll sort of scroll through and go, Ooh, that one, like the, you know, the bangles one highlight that that could be something. And then it was like, Oh yeah, Peter, you know, Smith mixer. Okay. Oh yeah. That, that one actually we should write up now because that one's like, seems fully formed. Um, this one still needs like a uh, big joke at the end. So, you know, let's do that maybe second. And then you just, you just write it up. And, and, and if it's not fully, some of them are fully formed, but if, if there's a thing that like, you know, I think we can beat this last line um, of this cutaway, then we will sit around and, and, and pitch on the last line. And then whatever the funny, it's whatever's funny. It's, it's not, it's cool because it's not, um, no one's really trying. I don't feel like anyone's really trying to ram their jokes in just to get them in. It really is like what's funniest. And that's, a really cool thing when, it, when it's a bunch of comedy writers because um you know obviously stand-ups are sort of famous for like that guy sucks you know but he's they're secretly jealous of that guy you know dude you got the coolest career holy yeah. crap oh dude I'm so, whole, from I, start to, to now i'm just like damn this guy just lived our dream jobs over and over I'm again what's mine, it like I, damien living our dream jobs i'm living my dream I, and i'm <laughs> i have so much anxiety it's all gonna come crashing down and i have for nine i've been on the show for nine years and it's every day i'm like it's gonna stay, you know um but yeah no it's it's awesome i'm so i'm so i'm so yeah i'm just so thankful that like i've had this crazy life you know and and in these awesome jobs and uh and yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's a fucking treat. It's, it's really great. It's really so great. And I, and I love it. I love the job. I'm like, people are like, after I was at MTV, they're like, you know, I was on the radio and they're like, why don't you want to host a show? And I'm like, what am I going to host? That's better than TRL. And they're like, right. well, you could host like, you know, and I'm like, yeah, like, I mean, I'll, I'll host the voice, but it's not like going to be as good as TRL. And so with like family guy, it's like, I don't know what I would do. You know, it's, I mean, I've, 
Can you imagine taking over the for the voice? Like, skewed over Carson. I'm taking over this again. I know, right? <laughs> I know. See you later. Oh, Damien, you have been awesome. Thank Thanks, you so guys. much for fun. joining us. This has been fun. Thank you for being our best friend. We didn't know we had and stopping by the podcast. Like we said, your life has been fascinating. And for anyone who wants to obviously check him out on social media, just find Damien Fahey. Yes. Um, and then I was going to say, do you do you podcast? I thought I saw something. Do you podcast at all? I don't. No, no. You should get into that. I should. <laughs> You're a funny guy. I should. Um, I just feel like everyone's been interviewed like 40 times on every podcast. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do? Ask the same questions that, that you right. know, Joe Rogan's asked. Or, or let, you know. You've also interviewed everyone under the sun. So at That's a point, you're like, like, who am I, am I going to interview Madonna for the eighth time? By the way, was there anyone, my last question for sure. you, was there anyone that actually left you starstruck? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, Tom Cruise, Madonna, Bono. Um, um, I'm a drummer, and there, you know, this is, I mean, it's not going to be, you guys aren't going to give, unless you're drummers, you're, you're going to care. But there's this legendary drummer who came in with Santana when Santana played. Um, this guy, Dennis Chambers, and I like met him and I was like, holy, you know, I was, it, it, you get nervous. Um, yeah, um, Dave Matthews, I'm a huge Dave Matthews band fan. Um, met him and, you know, that was like huge. Uh, all right, you got to get off here because now I'm just getting jealous. With yeah, I know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Damien, it's time for you to go, bud. Thank Damien. you, guys. Yeah, thank you so much, buddy. I really appreciate, I appreciate it. it. Dude, such a cool guy, huh? I really enjoyed that interview. He was fun. I, I think that what was fun was hearing his mental clarity throughout the years. Like, how different would that conversation have been, you know, back in 2007 or whatever the hell date it was when he was still on MTV, VJing, talking to the biggest, like, just so down to earth and cool. And I loved, I loved hearing his stories about these huge celebs, but how he was like mentally grounded with it. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. he was even in shock. He was getting to talk to these people. I loved it. No, it was just, again, there's, I know there's some of our audiences our age or some people that are younger, but his job was the job that everyone dreamed of having, you know? And of course it wasn't even, yes, he could have gotten more money when he first started, but it wasn't even about the money. It was about like, just, doing the job and listen he's got a great job now working a family guy he's crushing he's a super talented guy very creative but uh, i you know i will say this it's funny treating people well is like a lasting impression i just remember when i was at mtv and i would go to trl and how good he was to me and i was like dude this is like i was i was i wanted to tell him that like dude i always remember the first time i met you and how cool you were and you were never yeah, you you were sitting there just kissing his ass for the first time i'm trying to get a job at family guy dax give me a break <laughs> please louise oh man well guys thank you guys for uh listening thanks for checking out damien make sure you follow him on social media he's great on uh, social media uh, Hollywood Raw Podcast. We're on YouTube. We are on Instagram at Hollywood Raw Pod, TikTok, Facebook. We're on it all. Find me at, at Adam Glenn. Find Dax Holt at Dax Holt, D A X H O T. Leave us for you a review, five star only. See you guys next time. A Huda Media Production.